an age of silence, of doubt, of questioning promises. Yet something is stirring. Like a light in the darkness, hope arises. As the sun breaks through the night, a new day is upon us. The moment where everything changes. The birth of our Savior brings a thrill of hope. Hope of salvation. Hope of an eternal life with our eternal King, where all things are made new. All right. Merry Christmas to you. Man, I am so glad to see you. What a great day today. Can we thank our worship team, our productions teams? What a great job. Appreciate them so much. Bill and Chris have been working on this since August, and it's really weird planning Christmas services in 103 degrees, so crazy stuff. But we are so excited. We've been looking forward to, preparing for, and praying for you for today as we get to celebrate Christmas together. So thanks again for making this a part of your Christmas experience and celebration. We're glad to be here with you. My name is Todd Arnett. I'm the lead pastor here at Trinity Church. An incredible privilege to get to talk to you about what you've seen. You see it plastered on our walls. You've heard it all throughout, this idea of the thrill of hope. You might recognize that line. It comes from a Christmas carol, right? Uh, a, a, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And indeed, when we think about hope, we think of what an incredibly significant commodity, what an incredibly important thing that we would have, we would know, we would get to experience, hopefully on a daily basis. And so today I want to talk to you about, I want to share with you some great news about where you can find a hope that goes far beyond hoping for something next week or next year, but all the way into eternity. And I'm so glad that you're joining us in our time here together today. For some of us, the idea of hope is actually an interesting thing. Some of us, we've been talking about, you saw the video a minute ago, we've been using that every weekend in our series this uh, month of December, and we talked about how so much of what makes Christmas Christmas is the anticipation. Many of us grew up with presents under the tree, and we were just wondering, what is under that tree with my name on it? And that idea of anticipation and hope, some of us are literally hours away from finding out and so excited. Others of us, though, you're here, and the reality is when we talk about hope, when you maybe got an invitation to come or you saw this big thing up on the wall, man, hope is something that just seems like it was a long time ago since you really had a sense of hope because you had put your hope into something or someone and it let you down. And you've either all together resigned to the idea that it's not worth having a lot of hope or maybe just today you walked in a little hopeless. Either way, no matter where you're at on the spectrum, we are so glad that you're here. And maybe you can relate. My brother and I was thinking back the, the way that we used to do our Christmas wish list with our, our parents. I remember we went to a store. It used to be around called Toys R Us. If we go back that far, I know it seems... You know, just a couple of years ago, the ones here closed, but I mean, decades ago, we'd be walking through, and, and I have a younger brother, and I remember as we'd walk through Toys R Us, I gotten a little older, a little wiser, and I remember this particular Christmas, or pre-Christmas season, he, he didn't have a 
a clue yet. And, and he did this method. His eyes were wide with hope and anticipation. And it's basically, I want one of those, and I want one of these, and four of those. And everywhere we're walking through the store, there's just every row, he's got something to point to and tell him my mommy wants this. And I remember looking over him. I'm just kind of walking slow, a little quiet. I look over him, and I'm just thinking in my head, loser. You're not getting any of this stuff. I had figured out by lowballing my parents, there was a much better opportunity of getting what I wanted. So we'd be walking down the rows, and she's like, my mom would say, Todd, you know, what, have you, what, what would you like? I don't know. And I'd walk, oh, maybe one of those. And a couple aisles later, oh, maybe one of those. And I realized at the end of the day, I'd only given her four or five options. This is genius. This is going to be awesome. But even then, I still got socks and underwear. So there's definitely no foolproof plan on the Christmas wish listing. And, and as you think about that idea of hope and how that all kind of comes together on a, on a day like today, in a season like today, I want to tell you more important than my opinion, more important than my words about what hope is, I just want you to hear from God today. I'd love for you to hear from his vantage point. What he says in the Bible is what really hope is and where hope can be found. You see, the way that we often use the word hope is we use it thinking of things like, hey, you know what, it would be great if this happened. The idea that we have an expectation or a longing to want something to happen or be true. And so in a lot of ways, the word hope in our just typical English language is the idea you, it would be synonymous with happy thoughts, optimism. I, I wish this would happen, but, but really no sense of confidence that it will. I'm just going to expect or hope that it does. That's kind of the way we use it all the time. Biblically, though, hope is one of those words that doesn't compute in the natural, normal way we use it. Because biblically, God means something different. I like to define the word hope biblically as this, confidence in the promises of God because of the tested, faithful character of God. Confidence in the promises of God based on the te tested, faithful character of God. So it's not just optimism in thinking or wishing for the fact that God would do certain things, but it's paying attention to the things he promises in the Bible. And, and because you have had your confidence in him, you're able to put your confidence in them. Because of the way that you have recognized and seen the character of God in your life, you're able to put great weight, great trust, great hope in the promises that he's made. There's a lot of books in the New Testament that talk about Jesus' arrival, why we celebrate Christmas. But one of them that kind of offers a different perspective is the book of Hebrews. Hebrews is almost all the way to the end of the Bible. And this is what it says in Hebrews 1.1, the very beginning of the book. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son, watch this verse three, the son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty of heaven. So Hebrews chapter one starts with a story that doesn't mention a manger. 
It doesn't mention shepherds or wise men. Not that those things didn't happen, but it, it basically said God had given some foreknowledge. He'd given uh, these promises that he was going to send his son. And, and now when the book of Hebrews was written, now he has. And he's done this amazing thing. And, and if we ever wonder, does the Bible actually ever say that Jesus is God? Well, we just read it, verse 3, that I had you pay attention to, that he is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being. So yeah, the Bible teaches that Jesus was God. But then you look over just one chapter later, Hebrews chapter 2, and now the author of Hebrews also writes about another dynamic saying that he was absolutely human. That he was human as well. He took on flesh like us. So you have this God-man idea, 100% God, 100% human in this person of Jesus. Look at the way the author of Hebrews says it here in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Since the children, talking about us, God's children, have flesh and blood, he, being Jesus, he too shared in their humanity. So that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And to free those, and listen to this sentence, who for all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. To help those who for all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. So the Bible teaches these Two things just within two chapters of one another in the same book. Jesus is God. Jesus is human. He's something unique like never before seen, never since. And because of who he is, he is able to do something that absolutely, you might be here today and you're like, Todd, you just read about this greatest fear we have of death. I'm wearing red and have a jingly bell necklace on. It doesn't sound like a Christmas message, right? Can we be a little more festive? But the reason I wanted to bring that passage up to you today is I wanted you to know, in case you didn't, that Jesus actually came and conquered the greatest fear you have. Talk about a Christmas gift. Jesus came and conquered death, and in doing so, he conquered your greatest fear, that of the fear of death. Now, you would expect someone like me as a pastor to talk about stuff like that. But I wanted to tell you about some people that have communicated it recently better than I ever could. Friends of mine named Ryan and Katie Ann. This is a picture of Ryan and Katie Ann and their family. This is from a couple of days ago. And um, I've had the chance to visit Ryan over the last five weeks a few different times. And um, Ryan would have been in seats just like these, uh, was here this last Christmas until about five weeks ago after having some pain in his back and some other weird symptoms. And he got tested and found out he has a very acute, aggressive form of leukemia. And so out of the blue, literally with no warning, no idea he was even sick, he's been in the hospital these last five weeks. As a church family, we've been praying. They have great family members and extended uh, people from this fellowship who've been amazing at loving them well and praying well for them. This picture was taken actually a couple days ago. And you can see just under the blanket that Ryan has a tracheotomy. When I saw him a week ago, yesterday, he was intubated. He was alert and awake, and I came in and 
It was one of those moments that I, I go, every time I go to visit someone in the hospital, my prayer is, God, would you help me to be an encouragement somehow? And so often, God just always kind of laughs and says, no, Todd, you're going to be the one who gets encouraged today. You think you're going to add something important, they're actually going to be the one who encourage you. So I came down to the hospital last Monday, and it was just Katie Ann there with Ryan, and Ryan's in the hospital bed, and Katie Ann's next to him. And I come around the side, and we start talking for a little bit, and she's catching me up uh, to what's going on with Ryan and where he's at with some things. And I'm just listening, and Ryan's communicating with his hands. He had a, a board he could write on and wrote some notes. And at one moment, I remember Katie Ann saying this before, one thing that's been such an encouragement to Ryan is hearing just worship songs that we would sing even here at church and just being really encouraged by those. And he asked in that moment, could, could she get uh, the uh, iPad and turn on Pandora and just turn, turn on that music even right now? And so we did that, and, and the very first song, literally when she pushed play, one of his favorite songs came up, and the chorus goes this way. I am no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. And we listened to that whole song. I remember sitting on the side of the bed, and that's the chorus, and it was sung so passionately by this worship leader. I'm no longer a slave to fear, for I am a child of God. And I just remember sitting on the side of the bed and the only thing to do was to stand there and just take it in. It was one of those things I call just a holy moment of being there, being present, and just being still. And I remember as the song came to an end, I remember Katie Ann just pushing pause and she said to Ryan, she held his hand and she said, Ryan, this song is so rich for us because it's what we're walking through right now. I know that we're afraid. But the good news is what this song reminds us of, we have nothing to be afraid of. I want you to know that is not pie in the sky theology. That's real stuff in a real hospital with real people. And that's not me getting up in front to you today and saying it would be great if you knew the kind of hope that Jesus offers you and the kind that you can know that there is no fear of death because what he came and conquered. You're not hearing me saying that. You're listening in on people's conversation, which, by the way, I got Katie Ann's permission to share with you today. Some of you are like, man, I hope he never comes to the hospital and talks to me <laughs> and to get up and tell all of our stuff to people. But when I asked Katie Ann if I could share that moment, she said, man, anyway, our story can be an encouragement. We absolutely want it to be. Some good news for Katie Ann's family and for Ryan today. They got a, a diagnosis that, and this for you as a church family who's been praying for Ryan, that his leukemia is in remission as of today. Now, they, they would want me to be the first to tell you he's from far out of the woods. There's a lot going on with a pneumonia that's in his lungs and still not knowing what's going to be the future of that. But on Christmas Eve, what a great gift of just that sense of encouragement. And we're grateful, very grateful, not only for that news, 
But I was going to share with you that story of Ryan and Katie Ann no matter what I knew about that diagnosis. Because these are people who are living this out. Look what the author of Hebrews would say just a few chapters later in chapter 6. He would say this about hope. Talking about this same idea of having hope now that we don't have to fear death anymore. We have this hope, how? As an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. And that's the kind of hope I would love to introduce you to this Christmas season if you have never known or never responded to the great news that is found in Jesus. Not just a baby born in a manger, but someone who lived a life, ultimately gave his life for you so you don't have to fear death anymore. Ryan and Katie Ann aren't the only people at Trinity who know what it is to know and live in light of hope. They're all over the place, and they've been writing on some cards like the one you received on the way in today. And out at our hope display, they look a little bit like this. Take a look at this video. my need for hope when I am totally not in control of my situation. When I feel anxious, overwhelmed, or not enough. When our dog was having surgery. I am aware of my need for hope when I'm stressed at work and worried about finances. When my children are struggling with questions and issues I can't answer or fix for them. When my brother gets a surgery. I am aware of my need for hope when I am warned about how hard adulthood will be when my wife and daughter need me and I don't have enough to give. I am aware of my need for hope when I sin against God. When I see all the brokenness around me and in me. I am aware of my need for hope when a solution seems impossible. Hope arrived in my life when I realized and recognized that I can't do it on my own. Hope arrived in my life when I heard about Jesus. When I started to love my wife like Jesus loves the church. Hope arrived in my life when I got real and admitted fears to friends and asked them to pray. Hope arrived in my life when I went to camp, gave my life to Christ, and was encouraged by other believers. When mom and dad said I could get a cat, Luna. Hope arrived in my life when we became pregnant after three years of waiting, trying, and enduring loss. Praise Jesus. Hope arrived in my life when I looked into the eyes of my newborn twins. When I realized I was a broken man, I accepted Jesus in my heart and life. Hope arrived in my life when someone shared Christ with me. I continue to see God's hand of grace reach out in circumstances, and hope is refreshed. I have hope for the future because I'm not in control of what happens. I have hope for the future because of God's word because God has never failed. I have hope for the future because my losses in this life, I'm convinced will be made gain in heaven. I need it and I believe it. I have hope for the future because I am a child of God. Because Jesus is who he says he is. Because he has risen. 
because Jesus lives and holds the future. I have hope for the future because God keeps his promises. Because God has already seen it and is going to lead me through it. I have hope for the future because all the pain, heartache, guilt, and remorse here on earth will be forgotten and blotted away in eternity with God. I have hope for the future because Jesus promises it and it will be so, so good. So maybe you're here today and you realized, you know what, I had no idea such a hope was available. You've heard these voices, you've read these cards, and you've read from the people of Trinity who've been very gut level, very honest all the way throughout this month. But one thing that you heard resoundingly again and again is that hope entered into their lives when they realized there was a real God who sent a real son not just to be born in a manger and have shepherds adore him, but to go on to live a sinless life, to die a sacrificial death, and to be supernaturally raised from the dead on the third day. That Jesus came to give you hope that you would know a hope that is the anchor for your soul, firm and secure. And if you're here today and you would say, that's the kind of hope I want to know about, that's the kind of hope, when you think of any kind of Christmas gift, man, that's the kind of gift I'm ready to receive. It just begins by A, admitting that you're a sinner who needs a Savior. B, believing Jesus is the only Savior available, and C, choosing choosing to say, Jesus, I don't put my hope and trust in morality. I don't put it in religion. I put it squarely in the person of Jesus who did all of this for me. You can make that decision even before you get out of your chair. My prayer to you, prayer to God for you today is that you would. That hope card that you received on the way in today, it has a prompt. And what we've been doing over this month is we've been giving people space right here in this service to fill this out. We're gonna do the same thing today. Time is an incredible gift that we never often take enough for ourselves. So I wanna give you a gift today. And I want you to take that card and you'll see the prompt. When it comes to hope, there's no right or wrong answer. It's your answer. And what, this is what we'd love for you to do in this space. I'm gonna give you in just a moment, I'd love for you to write something out that just comes from you. And after this service, you notice on the west side of our building, that big hope wall is out there. I'd love for you to take your card out there, pull out one of the push pins, even put yours on top of some other stories. Because we've seen the story accumulate. This is now week four that these cards have been available and they're all over this sign. They make a beautiful story of what God is writing about that of hope that we're experiencing. So I'd love for you to respond and engage in our service that way today. And as you fill out this card, I just wanted to read this last verse to you as a prayer over you today, this Christmas season. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope. 